Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Today, we're going to be discussing a a subject that a lot of people are interested in, and here's the person that's going to help them the most, and that is the renal dietitian. Um, Welcome to the show, Anne Mazel. She's a dietitian for Fresenius Kidney Care. Hi there. Nice to talk to you, Lori. Um, Well, great. Uh, So, you know, why did you become a renal dietitian, and, you know, what was your motivation? I've been a dietitian for many, many years. Um, however, I've only been a renal dietitian for the last about three years. Um, so I've, I've kind of dabbled in a lot of different things. But this time in my career, I, I kind of wanted to take a step back and do something that was a little more meaningful and, and give me the ability to spend more time with my patients. Yes. In past roles, I've you know worked in the hospital. And the challenge with that is you see someone once, maybe twice, but then you never see them again, so you really can't make an impact. And that's one thing about working in a dialysis center that I've really enjoyed is I've gotten to know my patients so well and and their families and really make an impact on how I can help improve their quality of life. So, you know, Anne, are are you a foodie by chance? (laughs) Do you love food? I, I I would say I am. And I guess what you mean by that is that I love to eat. And that's sort of why I decided to go into the uh, field of nutrition, uh, among other reasons. I did have a personal chef business for a while, and I really love to cook, and I really like to try to cook healthy, tasty meals. So a lot of times when I'm talking to my patients, this has been very helpful because, um, especially initially when they first start, they feel like they everything's going to be bland and boring, and uh, I, I can provide them with some resources of how to make food a little more tasty, but yet still, you know, fit within their guidelines. And, you know, what are some of those renal-friendly spices that everyone needs in their pantry? That's a good question. You know, any, I, I recommend pretty much all, all spices are usually fine as long as they're salt-free. So instead of using garlic salt, use garlic. Instead of using onion salt, use onions or, or even dried onions. And any variety of different seasonings. I have um, a couple of recipes for different seasoning mixes that I would give to my patients. So if they want to make something with a little more spice, something that has, you know, more of a fajita type taste to it, but it's salt-free. Um, I have different seasoning mixes that they can make from scratch that, that they can use to um, enhance the flavor of their foods. Well, and, you know, dried herbs and spices are like so amazing because they have a good shelf life and they can make rice taste divine. (laughs) Oh, exactly. uh, And eggs, anything, you know, you could be like a gourmet cook. All you got to do is sprinkle a little spice on the food. (laughs) Yeah, I think people, you know, if if they haven't cooked or they they aren't familiar in the kitchen, sometimes they're afraid to to experiment. They want to follow a recipe to a tea. And I always recommend branching out. And if you like, if you like the flavor of, let's say, oregano, then experiment with oregano in your eggs, as you said, or something else, you know, and, and really try to enhance the flavor. And, and people come up with amazing things. 
It's so true. And, you know, I click on Facebook and I automatically get these cooking food videos that I have to tell if it enhanced my ability to cook. I had no idea all the creative things that and just little tips of, um, you know, how to how to prepare and use herbs. There's so much fun information on the Internet. Yeah. And how to do that. Um, so what is the biggest obstacle that your patients face in regard to their diet? And what advice do you give them? It's hard to say which one in particular. I, mean, I think every patient is so unique. So I have some patients that really are addicted to salt. So in those cases, it's, it's the challenge is getting them off salt. And that's when I really would recommend different types of herbs and spices to provide more flavor. Sometimes people are really focused on, uh, like I have a couple of new patients that came in and they love going to the farmer's market and eating all the fresh produce. And the challenge with that is some of those uh, items are very high in potassium. So I think the biggest challenge is when you're new to the renal diet, take it one step at a time. Don't try to change everything because it is extremely overwhelming. Right. And I usually tell people, I have a handout that I give uh, all of our new patients that kind of goes step-by-step through everything, protein, sodium, phosphorus, potassium, fluids. Um, We take it one step at a time so that they can kind of grasp it over time. It's a a lifestyle change that they're going to have to make, and it's going to take some time to get it down. Um, And so I think the biggest thing is just really being patient and open lines of communication with me and uh, the care team that we have um, so that we can help them as they're making that change. Well, and, you know, we often hear that, you know, I gained too much fluid and I'm like, hello, everyone. And you know this, if you don't control your sodium, there's no way you can control your fluid. It's just impossible. It's physically impossible. Your body will not let you. (laughs) You'll seek out a hose (laughs) somewhere to get water if you eat too much salt. It's just your body's instinct. Um, so what is your philosophy about restrictions versus moderation? I am a big proponent of moderation, especially, I mean, our patients are really sick. Their quality of life is not great. And I really try to instill in them to learn how they can manage their diet so that if they have a big event, let's say a grandchild's birthday is coming up and they want to enjoy that barbecue or whatever the case may be, that they can they can have a little bit and not go crazy, but have a little bit and enjoy it and not feel like they're an outcast because they're on this special diet. There's very, very few times where I tell people they can't have something. Um, I always try to fit in their favorite foods, um, whether it's um, they love potatoes. How can we fit some potatoes in their diet still sticking to their potassium restriction? Because I really think food is, is so important to, you know, just such a central point or part of our lives. And I don't want people to feel um, like they can't enjoy what they're eating. Well, and it's, you know, we live by our labs. And, you know, one, yep. one month is like, oh, phosphorus is high or potassium is high or, you know, there's no hiding from what you eat when you're on dialysis. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I, I say that often. I said the numbers don't lie, so they can they can tell me that they haven't had any potassium. But when they come in with a potassium of six point two, you know, 
The numbers tell you the truth. Exactly. And, you know, they may not know that some of the salt substitutes have potassium in them. That could be where they're getting their salt from. And there's some salt substitutes that don't have it, but you got to you gotta read the labels, right? You got to read the fine yep. print on everything. What is one of your favorite dishes, you know, go-to dishes for people on dialysis or a snack? For people that are like just starting out, and maybe they were used to eating out a lot. You know, a lot of times patients come to us that have been eating out a lot and now they're learning how to cook or learning how to cook with these new restrictions. Um, I have a couple really nice stir fry recipes that are really, really easy. And so I give them a list of the protein uh, types of protein they can choose, different vegetables that they can choose. And then um, the sauce is uh, a low-sodium, use low-sodium soy sauce and other things to enhance the flavor. And it's a 10-minute dish that, you know, is very, very flavorful. So, and they can mix it up depending on the season and depending on what they feel like um, cooking that night. And I think, you know, it's just switching things up. Like I had some leftover rice last night and, you know, I put some egg in it and some vegetable and it was like a new dish. <laughs> It was like, yeah, great. yeah. And that's, that's what I always encourage people to do is again, is to experiment. And it's amazing what kind of creativity can lead to like the, your next favorite dish. Well, and, um, you know, I was also shared this tip and you just use a little bit, but you just take some white bread and you put some peanut butter and jelly on it and you cut it in little squares and you stick them in the freezer <laughs> and they're like little, little snacks. <laughs> Like, and they're That's so refreshing. Idea. They're so refreshing. And, you know, I'm like, I, I love that tip. Because that is a great idea. It, 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 you want something like, you just want something to satisfy you. And it's a great little ready-made snack. So you have to find all these these tips. So, you know, if anybody's interested in learning about stir fries and different types of things, we're going to put a link on the Kidney Talk page that you can learn a little bit more about how to have all these different options for stir fry. So, you know, another big issue is cultural foods. I mean, that that's tricky. I'm learning more about, you know, some of the different Indian foods now because I'm getting more vegetarian. And it's a whole complete different spice set that are delicious. Right. You know, but I, I really, my heart is with Mexican food, <laughs> which is <laughs> high in phosphorus. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because it's got the beans, the cheese, the avocado. I'm like, okay, the corn tortilla and chicken's good and lettuce. <laughs> uh, how do you deal with cultural diversity? Yeah, I, I think we have, we have a, a very diverse population in the two clinics that I work in. I'm very high in the Hispanics. So a lot of Mexican food, like you said, um, we also have a fair amount of uh, patients um, from India. And so I usually tell when I usually am speaking with them or their family, I, I ask them to bring in the recipes and then together we can sit down and make some adjustments to the recipes so that they can enjoy the food. The other thing is if they like to eat out, then I ask them what restaurant they go to and I take a, try to take a look at the menu. So then I can make some uh, um, recommendations on things that would be less bad, I guess you'd say, for their diet and how they can modify so they can tell the waiter to hold this or light on the cheese or this kind of thing so that they can still enjoy the food. Because I really, like I said before, I really believe in everything in moderation and trying to enjoy what you eat. Right. 
Well, and, you know, the cook's favorite tool is the salt shaker. And, um, and you know, if you're ever worried about salt, just say no salt. <laughs> Don't add any extra salt. And, you know, that makes a big difference because they just, I mean, that's what gives food a lot of flavor. And then, you know, I watch diners, drive-ins, and dives. And it's a fascinating mm-hmm. show, but you really see how people prepare food. And the salt shaker is used heavily. And it's once you understand how people create food, you then become a little bit more aware of how much sodium you're getting when you eat out. So it's just better to say no salt, but know that the chicken's probably already been flavored with salt. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and I think that's the key is you don't need to have any additional salt because a lot of those foods are going to have salt in them. And the other thing about salt is it's an acquired taste. So... Um, when we're born, we, we don't have a craving for salt. It kind of comes as we grow. And so getting people to kind of wean off of salt, that's why I tell people to just like kind of wean off things instead of cutting them out completely. Right. It makes it a little bit easier. And then they realize how flavorful the food can be without salt. Well, um, and Dr. Scribner, who was a grandfather of dialysis, that was kind of his... You know, he was all about blood pressure control. That was his message. And he was like, you know, it takes 21 days to lose the taste of sodium. So just, and you know, I know that's true because I've been in the hospital 21 days and haven't eaten anything and come out and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe how salty that tastes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You it's know, amazing, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and you know, they flavor food with just the right salt and sugar to make you want to crave it. So we are sometimes battling an uphill fight because, you know, it, it can be difficult when you're like, oh, I'm just going to have one chip. No, you can't have just one. Right. <laughs> so how do you help patients with their protein? Any, because, I mean, I you know, for those listening, we're really focusing for people on dialysis. And when you're on CKD, you have a much different protein needs than you do when you're on dialysis because the process of dialysis takes protein off of you, which is reflected in an albumin number. And it is so important to have a good albumin number to help you fight infection and uh, and to be healthy. So what, what tips do you give your patients about protein? I think this is something that, you know, especially the patients that have, um, you know, they've been battling stage three, stage four kidney disease before they come to us and they've been really following a low protein diet. Now I'm telling them they need all this extra protein and it's somewhat challenging. Uh, some of the, the main tips are I, I review what foods are high in protein and see which ones of those foods that they actually like. Like I have one patient who was in um, the Navy for years and he will never eat chicken again the rest of his life. So I never talk about chicken with him. So I try to um, come up with a list of foods that they like. And then the other thing is telling them to um, try to have a little bit of protein of those high protein foods with every meal. And eat your protein foods first so that you don't fill up on some of the other things because the protein is so important. Right. And usually with those kind of tips, uh, patients do pretty well unless there's some reason why they, they, their appetite is poor. And then we may turn to some of the supplements that are available or protein powders that maybe they can make a shake or something like that at home. 
you know, it's it's one of the most important numbers. And, you know, the, the literature has changed a little bit for, you know, we get emails from people like, I got to stay on a super low protein diet. And I'm like, it's moderate protein, plant-based <laughs> diet protein, because you don't want to become malnourished. And that's why it's so important to talk to a dietitian, whatever stage of kidney disease you're in. <laughs> right. Do you have any frozen meal recommendations? You know, this is this is something that a lot of my patients ask about because, you know, they're, they're not good cooks or they don't have the time to cook or they don't have the energy to cook, especially when they're starting dialysis. It seems like they have a lot less energy as time goes on. That usually picks up. Um, but I found a really nice handout uh, that I found a couple of years ago that I usually recommend. But the, the key things are I, I try to help people learn how to read labels and not just look at the nutrition label, but also it's very important to look at the list of ingredients. So that's where you're going to find things like the hidden sources of phosphorus. But when it comes to frozen foods, here's the guidelines that I usually recommend. Um, you want to keep salt or sodium under 600 milligrams. You want to keep potassium under 600 milligrams. Phosphorus, if it's listed, you want it to be 30%. Um, it has the daily value listed. That's for people not with dialysis, but we use that number just to help them guide them. Um, a lot of times, though, phosphorus isn't listed on there. So if that's the case, I tell them that they really should avoid foods that have too many beans or a lot of cheese or nuts. So maybe macaroni and cheese would be uh, off the table. But if they had something that had a little sprinkle of cheese, that would be okay. And then there, I have a list of uh, lean cuisine type foods and healthy choice many, um, foods that I also give out. But I want people to learn how to read the labels because, as you know, every time you go in the grocery store, there's new foods out there. And I, I, there's no way I can keep up. So I try to get them to be able to be educated enough where they can find out for themselves. Well, and, you know, nowadays you can find anything online and read the labels before you go to the store. Or if you're ordering on uh, Instacart or something like that, you can even look at it and look at all the labels and then make the choices when you're at home at your computer and then go find them if you go to the grocery store. <laughs> I love that. Because yeah, I'm like, you know, you're standing in the aisle in front of the freezer. You're cold to begin with. And you're reading a label and you're like, oh, forget it. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm just going to eat that. Yeah. I mean, it's very time consuming because there's so many new things. It can be very overwhelming. Right. Exactly. It's so crazy. You know, I like to ask this question of every guest. Um, what dialysis treatment would you choose if you had to pick one? <laughs> oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I think to start with, it would probably be uh, peritoneal dialysis. Mm -hmm. um, I would pref prefer to do at home just to give me some more flexibility. Right. Um, I know my husband would never cannulate me. <laughs> so uh, I think hemo would be out, home hemo. Um, but I would probably start with PD. Well, you can cannulate yourself. It's, it's, uh, um, yeah. So yeah, you it's... don't know me, me and needles, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's such an interesting question because, you know, it, and, and thank you for being honest because I think people, you know, don't really like the choices are so hard and there's so many yeah. to make that it's overwhelming. I think more people should consider 
you know, learning about nutrition and becoming maybe even considering a dietitian. Do you do uh, your visits with patients in person and online? Um, I do um, in-person visits only. However, I do talk to patients on the phone. So if someone's not in clinic on the day I'm there, I may may call them and we may may have um, like a little short meeting on the phone. But primarily it's in person and I prefer that. You know, you can read so much by body language, but I have to say, you know, the fact that more dietitians um, are able to work on Zoom or different things does open a huge world for people having more access to dietitians. So, you know, really, if you're listening and, you know, you're on dialysis, you have access to a renal dietitian in your clinic. But if you're a transplant patient or a CKD patient, you know, a lot of people are looking for dietitians and it's sometimes hard. Um, We have a, a I know a couple people who do um, dietitian work um, over online, but uh, it's really important to be very educated about your food because it's what's going to drive your care. I always recommend patients reach out to their doctor. A lot of the doctor offices in the clinics, the nephrology clinics, have have a list of dietitians, at least they do in our area, so that they have some resources that they can provide to the patients if they're not in a dialysis clinic with a, with a dietitian available. You know, it's. I hope more areas do that because if you don't know what to eat, you don't have, or you're fearful of your food, your quality of life is not very high because we have right. to eat every three times a day or twice a day or whatever we choose to eat. We have to eat to live. And, you know, I always, always tell patients that, and I'm sure you hear this this question a lot, I'm not hungry. And, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe you should do more dialysis (laughs) because it's directly, it's directly linked. Um, It is directly linked. And, you know, you just got too much gunk in your blood and you should be hungry after treatment. You should be starved after treatment. You know, I think that's a great way that patients can tell if they're getting enough dialysis. Nobody wants to hear they need more dialysis. But if right. you are not hungry, your body is not healthy. Yeah, I think that, that that is definitely a challenge that we face, especially newer patients who now are giving up anywhere from, you know, 9 to 15 hours a week to come into the center and get dialysis. But what we usually recommend is if they can do it for a trial, let's increase your time by 30 minutes each treatment and see how you feel in, in two or three weeks. And yes. nine times out of 10, they feel tremendously better and then they... They will continue. Exactly. You just got to go with it. And, and you know, and I think it's really important for people to consider becoming a renal dietitian. Uh, there's a shortage of healthcare professionals across the way. And, I mean, you know, it sounds like kind of fun to play with herbs and spices all day. I mean. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a great job. It's definitely, um, I was going through my internship a long time ago, and I did my renal rotation. I didn't think I'd ever do this. My mom was actually on dialysis for a while. Um, however, once I found this, I wish I had done it many, many years prior. I really like it and plan on staying here until until I'm done. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Anne, so much for sharing your knowledge and and contributing to the you know, renal community, because um, it's all about food and enjoyment and quality of life at the end of the day. And eating what you love is so important. That's right. Well, I, I hope that your listeners picked up some tips 
and um, look forward to maybe connecting another time. Sounds great. Thank you, Anne. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.